the Brand Herald podcast, where leaders explore how great brands are built. Join Landon Wade, owner of Goodson Clothing and Supply Company, as he interviews business leaders and marketing experts to learn about the successes and failures of building great brands. One last thing, the views and opinions shared by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Enjoy the show. I want to welcome everybody to another episode of the Brand Herald Podcast. Um, I'm Landon Wade, owner of Goodson Clothing and Supply, and I have Kate Mazewich. I said that right, right? You did. Who is the VP of Marketing for Common Skew as my guest today. And uh, just first and foremost, Kate, thanks for being here. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you for having me, Landon. It's nice to be here. Okay, so I it's hard to believe it's actually already been, uh, what, about five weeks since we were together in Toronto, you mm-hmm. know, so... Um, I have been on the Common Skew platform. Well, let me back up a second. For people listening to this, this is a little different episode. Kate is not a customer. Um, she is actually the, as I said, the VP of marketing for the company that we use that provides the software platform to run our uh, business, to run the Goodson business. And I, we've been in business since 2015. I believe that I've been on the platform. So that's about eight years. I've been on the platform, I think six you guys could probably verify that for me, but about, about, about that. And um, about five weeks ago, and, and I guess maybe about two months ago, Mark Graham, who was one of the co-founders of Commonskew, reached out to me and invited me to be a part of what uh, something that uh, Commonskew does or has been doing for maybe a year now, maybe a year and a half. It was It's relatively new, right? The CEO Summit? Oh, yes. Yep. So uh, and I, they, I think you only had done one before I came in. It was for a little bit larger set of companies that are on the platform. That's right. Yeah. So a different, different segmentation. Yeah. And, um, so I was very, um, flattered to get invited and and was able to go and Kate and I met there and I know she had a big hand in planning that event and as well as everything common skew. So, and actually I know that you guys just rolled out some new branding. So the timing of this episode is really perfect too. So we can talk about that. That's right. I'm excited to talk about it. But most most every company that be listening to this has some sort of platform that you run your your business on. In our case, CommonSkew provides a platform that is targeted specifically to our industry, built by two people, uh, Mark and Catherine Graham, that uh, owned a distributor before they they did. It. Frankly, I think it was grown out of software that they had developed to run their own distributorship. So, um, and, and I've been on it for a while. And Kate and I had some great conversations around the topic of branding while I was in Toronto. We also had a lot of great food. Uh, and a lot of laughs. It was a great time. So that is why I've asked Kate to be here to really talk about um, the topic of branding. So um, yeah, so hopefully that provides some background to those listening. Okay, so Kate, if you would just get us started, just tell us, maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself so they can get to know you first. I, I mean, you gave a pretty good description of CommonSkew already, so thank you for that. Um, but I am the VP of Marketing at CommonSkew, and Landon is actually one of our customers. So like he said, instead of it being a customer on, he's, we're his customer on the podcast. So I like that twist. Um, but CommonSkew is a SaaS company. So we're CRM, order management, and e-commerce uh, designed specifically for the promotional products industry. I myself have been with the company for eight years. So the co-founders, Mark and Catherine Graham, have been incredibly supportive to me on my journey with the company. I started as a marketing coordinator there and have worked my way up um, with them. And now I've grown a team when I started, it was just myself on the marketing team, and now we're a team of six and growing. So about you personally, you're, you're, you've born and raised in Canada. T- maybe tell a little bit about that, like, and, and, you know, for folks that are familiar with that area, maybe where you went to school and some of that. 
Yeah. So I was born and raised uh, just outside of Toronto, Ontario, uh, in Mississauga, near where the airport is, if you've ever been. And uh, lived in Mississauga all my life. Went to school in at the University of Western Ontario in London, Ontario. So went from home to school in West at Western and then moved to Toronto and lived there for the better part of 10 years. Um, and now I'm based in Vancouver, Canada. Did you study marketing? And I mean, has so it always been marketing? No, actually that's, it's, it's one of those, those, uh, my background is a little bit weird. I actually got into school for kinesiology um, at university and went for my first, for, for my first year and decided halfway through first year, I didn't really want to do kinesiology. Maybe I wasn't really sure about what the program was or, or what I was getting into. And is that like physical um, so therapy? Sw- like, switch like over. That's, that's body. Yeah. That's yeah, kind of PT. Okay. Yes. Uh, a lot of people that do it end up in sports medicine. So I think that was my draw to it. Um, yeah. Growing up being an athlete, I think I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to do any kind of professional athlete, athletics. So maybe I'll move into kinesiology. Uh, but yeah, I, I was in a lot of like bio classes and, and chem labs and things like that. And I was like, I don't really think I want to do this. So decided to move over into just a general bachelor of arts. Um, my focus, my major was sociology. My minor was English. And so throughout throughout there, got to do a whole bunch of different courses and gravitated towards more of the marketing specialties or the comms courses, and then graduated and ended up making my own career path, I think, through through what I ended up, where I landed. So how'd you get that first job? I mean, you're coming out of kinesiology or you're sort of like, oh, I enjoy this comms thing. So did you look for a job that was kind of comms related at that time and just find a kind of an interest? Not point? at all. Okay. No. So, so what I did was, uh, my, my primary, my primary goal was to pay off my student loans. So I was like, okay, let's just look for something like nice and easy. That'll, that'll pay well. So I actually started at RBC, which is a bank, uh, here in Canada. I I think there's some locations in the US. Yeah. So we're familiar with it because they do the RBC heritage down in, uh, uh, Savannah, not Savannah, Hilton head that every year. So yeah, yeah. yeah, we know about it down here. Yeah. So, so started at RBC and was working in just a straight up call center. Uh, and the good thing about working once you get into one of those banks or one of those big organizations in finance is there's lots of opportunity that, that they promote within. So I just started kind of trolling those career boards that they had and was looking for anything but a call center job, um, anything but like a, a, a job where I was just sitting and answering phones all day. And I found a marketing position and like, actually the first one was more marketing and biz dev, uh, because I think at the time when I was starting marketing was not a really big focus for these larger companies. Like they didn't have someone in a social media role. They didn't have someone doing anything like that because it was really new thing for them. And so that's kind of the angle that I got in at. And I had experience doing that from kind of like my side hustle at the time. Um, so I, got in, got an interview and got the job. And then through there, kind of moved into different marketing positions. So we won't spend a lot of time on this. I, I'm looking at your LinkedIn. So that was like, you spent seven years at RBC, looks like. Mm-hmm. And then the whole group, is that like an agency? We won't spend a lot of time on it, just kind of to make your way to Common Skew. Yeah. So it was a, it was a boutique agency. And so they hired me on as their, as their social and their marketing coordinator. Um, and I was working with them, just trying to help bring that agency into the the present, I suppose they were a bit outdated. They're a wonderful company, super, super kind people, but I don't think they had anything in terms of uh, non-traditional marketing. 
So they were just like very much like doing like mailing campaigns and things like that. And that's actually was like my first real foray into the promotional products industry was ordering calendars, ordering pens, uh, and things like that. Like I didn't even really know For like there was agency related like campaign stuff and things like that. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Is that yeah. how you Before connected I even knew that with, there was an entire industry? Is that how you connected with Mark and Catherine? Like they were, were the, was the agency working with them or how did that happen? My roommate at the time was working at Staples. She's actually still with Staples. And, uh, she, I think she went to some kind of industry talk or something. And she saw Mark Graham talking about branding and and all of that stuff. Um, and so connected with him on LinkedIn, saw that he had posted about uh, a position at CommonSkew. And so she sent it to me and the rest is history, I wow. guess. How about that? All right. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you sharing that. I, I um, We are first and foremost relational. So um, we say a lot, we deliver value through relationship and experience. And in every instance, we have to, you know, I think it's important for people, obviously, to get to know the person um, a little bit. And, and, and it, and it always fascinates me, people's journeys. I mean, you going from kinesiology to marketing is, is interesting. And I think there's a lot of, you know, people that would have similar stories, but so tell me about, um, go ahead. You were going to say something. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was going to say, I also had a brief period where I'm, I was moonlighting as a, uh, a music journalist. So I was there interviewing bands, interviewing bands, going to like shows and concerts and working for a few publications in Toronto. Which was a fun, fun period of time to do. That is fun. Um, so tell me about the early days of comedy. You, you start working with Mark and Catherine early. And I mean, one thing that I appreciate about comments, going to mention this to you. I, I, I do think you guys are definitely a marketing uh, led. I mean, you're, you're a SaaS platform, but I would say you're almost somewhat marketing led. Has it been like that from the beginning? I mean, obviously they had a background in, in the distributor side, so they obviously cared a lot about marketing. I mean, was yeah, it a big I, focus I, for him then? For sure. I would agree with that. I think marketing is baked into our DNA and so is branding and, and everything that comes with that. So, you know, while we have the traditional, I think, infrastructure of a SaaS company in terms of the roles and the development team and all of that, like branding and promotional items and all of that has always been such a core part about what we do. And then also the other pillar would be community and, yeah. and the you know, the, in, the engagement in which supports that. Yeah. We talked about that. And I, I, that's something I want to talk a lot about. Cause I really feel like it, the writing is very much on the wall that that is the new day of, of marketing is building community. So, but before we get to that, I'm, um, so tell me a little bit about like when you guys were, were I mean, our industry's tough. It's, it's been around a long mm-hmm. time. It's in a lot of ways, it's very entrenched. I mean, frankly, there's a lot of the conversations that we had there with the other 19, I was one of 20, you know, other, um, company owners in our industry talking about challenges. And so it's a, it's a very difficult industry. So you're coming in um, at that time, you've got this platform that you're putting out there to other distributors. What was kind of the vision for the brand at that time? Like, in other words, when he's sitting you down and bringing you on, like, what was, what were the, like, Hey, this is who we are. This is sort of, cause you know, you and I talked about the fact that you got that like marketing brief. I'm just curious, what was the messaging at that time about the type of brand they wanted to build? It was a very interesting time, I think, in which I joined because they had come from, like you had said before, they had come from owning their own distributorship, Right Sleeve, and then they had built this platform and they were spinning it off now into its own company, Common Skew. So a lot of the people in the industry knew Mark and Catherine as the owners of Right Sleeve, uh, and then they knew that they were working on this platform. And so they had had a couple of couple of clients when they 
launched it in, in 2011 to start, but their original pitch and their original positioning in the market was that it was a free platform, a free uh, community platform. Yeah. They started so they as offered, a social, like almost like a, a targeted right. social media platform, right? It, it was, it was, I think it was marketed even as like the Facebook for the promotional products yeah. industry. And so that was actually a bit of a, I, I think at first it was a good play in order to get people in and, and have them sign up and have them build a profile. But then it became a hard sell to be able to transition from, okay, we've signed up for this free platform, but did you know we can also run your business? Yeah. So on one hand, it was good for gaining awareness, but I think on the other hand, it was a bit of a trickier crossover um, to go from there. So that was a bit of a challenge, I think, um, from the get-go. And then the other thing was, building up that like loyalty and trust from, from, I guess, as a startup, right? So yeah. brand new to the industry, just building out their first couple of clients and and gaining that trust in the industry. Everyone knew them and everyone, Mark and Catherine are beloved. They, they speak a lot at, at these industry events and have for years. But I think then trusting them with your business is a whole different, is a whole different beast, right? So you go and, and these business owners are, are entrusting a platform to run their entire business from, from creating their orders and managing their orders to invoicing and all of that stuff and everything that, that happens in there. It's, it's a big, big leap, I think, of faith. That well, and I, in knowing the landscape of software options at the time, it was also very antiquated. I mean, I think our industry generally is, is you know, a number of years behind, say, other industries. And so, you know, you look at, that was what, like, not 2005, 2000, between 2005, 2010, somewhere in that range? Yeah, when they officially launched as the product, it would have been 2011. Yeah. So, you know, I think, I mean, first of all, another, one of the takeaways from Mark for me was, you know, Mark had done a good job of, you know, he was like, thought of as an industry expert, like he was doing speaking. And so he kind of had a profile that way. So I think I remember him telling me this, and again, you know it well, it's just, I heard it from him. He's just like talking about how people would ask about, you know, this plat this platform that you're using to run your business and can we use it? And he's like, no, <laughs> because we don't have it. It's not, it's, yeah, not, it's not commercialized. Not yeah. <laughs> it's and, and so that led to what I felt like was an interesting conversation that, that he and I had where it was like, cause he immediately was like, you know, so the moment you decide you're going to sell the platform to somebody else, you can't, you know, there's bugs in every software platform, but when it's your own, it doesn't matter. You're just kind of, you got the hacks that you use and it's just like, whatever, you just mm -hmm. deal with it. But the moment you put it out, there's a product becomes a whole different ball game. So it's just a completely That's different right. thing. Um, and, and so real quick, I want to zero in on something. A lot of people I think too confuse like logos and colors and all that stuff for a brand, you know, and, and, um, how did you guys, I mean, where, I mean, it was right sleeve. So where did common skew come from? Where did some of just the initial sort of name and marks, I mean, that is not the brand, but it's also a big part of the brand. It actually is a part of, I would say, I would argue, yes, it's the branding, but it definitely becomes a part of the brand because that's what people recognize. Mm -hmm. And that was, I think it very intentional when Mark was first, you know, when they were first developing the brand and, and a lot of that was Mark, um, and he worked with a couple of different designers, but common skew itself comes from community and skew meaning products. So they were very intentional in picking that name uh, because community, like I'd mentioned is, is one of those, one of the pillars uh, of common skew. And then I think with Skewbot, bot um, that was, you know, mascots, that, that's a thing, you know, for software to have. And, and I think having that, having that personality and having that like character that you can identify with and have that create that emotional connection is, was quite important to have. And Skewbot was, 
was developed with one of Mark's friends who's now since passed, uh, T. Hamilton. And she was an illustrator and she kind of created that. I remember seeing, looking back as we were doing this brand refresh, seeing a campaign where they had a couple of different illustrations and options and they had the community actually vote on the name of the mascot, which was really fun. Uh, so it then became its whole other, like its, its own individual campaign with coming up with the branding for that too, which was, I think, fun and involved the community a lot. Yeah. So when you, you know, you join, you've got this, you guys have the name, you've got the mark, the logo, all those sort of, you know, components. Then you start going about trying to build this community. And and I think, you know, that's one thing, uh, I think I mentioned this to you. I know I mentioned it to Mark when I talked to him is one of the things I think you guys have done extremely well in, I think brands need to do a much better job of, and frankly, it's something we're trying to do here. I mean, this podcast, I think is part of it, which is, is, you know, it's like, I mean, just practically speaking, I told Mark, I said, look, there's other platforms out there now. Um, but for me to do another platform, A, it's like, okay, I find another platform and maybe I think it's, I don't, but let's say I did. Then you not only are leaving the product or the platform, but you're leaving the community essentially. And to get to the point where you have a community that someone doesn't want to leave is uh, that to me is this sort of like, I don't necessarily think there, there's certainly a playbook to try to create that, but there's certain parts of that. As I mentioned, when we were kind of talking ahead before starting the recording is there's parts of that that are in your control and some of it is not. Um, some of it's the timing, it's the audience, the industry, there's things, you know, you're either going to be providing the right thing at the right time to the right people that creates a, a connection. But I think you guys have done a great job of that. And I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm historically not a big community guy. Like my personality is a little bit like, like it was a little bit out of my comfort zone to come to CEO summit. Like, it's just, I'm not, I'm not the guy that goes to all the industry things. Um, I came to that, but then that also did shove me forward, I think, in just my feeling of connection to the community. So that's been very deliberate. So talk about like, talk about that. I mean, you said it's a big part of the brand. Yeah, it's working. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, talk about a little bit about, you know, behind, like, what's the, what are the conversations internally about that? How do you, what's the, what's the machine look like to actually create those things? I, I think backing up, there's when you're, when you're talking about marketing, there's so many different channels, right? There's so many different options that a brand can take. So you're, you're absolutely right. It is very intentional to set out and decide that, okay, we are going to be a software company, but we're going to be more than just a software company. We're going to be a software company that has a community. We're going to be a software company that supports our customers through education and events. And we're going to be a software company that helps propel the rest of the industry forward. And so all of those things are, you know, embedded in every decision that we make in terms of, in in terms of what we're doing for marketing, in terms of campaigns and things like that. So when we talk about community, yes, we can talk about the actual software component of the community, but that extends far beyond that with everything that we're doing with our event, our event strategy, with our podcast, even that we have where we're, we're bringing on our customers similar to what you're doing there. Mm -hmm. Um, with the content that we're creating, the customer stories that we've got on there, the, you know, e- everything that we've kind of got from from that aspect of it. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I think that I remember Mark saying, that, you know, the guiding light of all of it, if I'm remembering correctly, is sort of like just this desire to elevate the industry, like to be a part of, you know, being a positive impact and elevating the industry and sort of then everything sort of filters down, you know, from that. Something I say internally here a lot is, and everybody's familiar, and I mention it, I think, on every episode I do, but that that book by Simon Sinek, Start With Why, mm-hmm. and kind of this idea of, like, people want to be a part of things that are bigger than themselves. And 
if you can get to the point with your brand, whatever it is, where people feel that your brand says something about them that they want others to know, you know, you're really at that point winning big time with the brand that you're building. Um, and so, you know, this idea of like setting out this, you know, we, what I was saying earlier is like what we do internally, we talk about, we want to, um, high level, our marketing should basically communicate the personality of our company. It should, everything that we should, we do should let people just kind of get to know who we are, what makes us tick so that they can start to decide whether they think, you know, they're going to be a good fit for us. We're going to be a good fit for them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a long time ago, I really was of the mind. I took every client that I could possibly get. And I, um, anybody raised their hand and needed something, I was, I was sprinting to get it done. And I wouldn't say that that's necessary. I, I would say that's changed, but not from the standpoint of like, I'm telling people, no, it's more like what we've realized is that we really do well with certain kinds of customers, which I'm sure you found the same thing with certain kinds of distributors. Mm-hmm. And we need to make sure that we're putting ourselves out there in a way that at, will attract as best as we're able, we'll attract the the customers that are a really good fit for us. And not because we see ourselves arrogantly, like we're too good for or not, you know, it's, we only have a limited capacity to serve or do the thing that we exist to do in our case, to help people build their brand with clothing and promotional items. And if I am connected with a customer that I'm not a good fit for, and we, and, and we waste time, or maybe we spin wheels as a result, then it takes away from my ability to do sort of maximum value delivery for the ideal customer. Do you guys find the same thing when it comes to just finding those ideal customers? Yeah, I think you kind of nailed it there. Transparency is key. And so the more we can be transparent about our vision, our mission, our uh, values from the get-go, I think that helps us find that alignment with our ideal customer. And so, you know, sure, there's, we've got parameters for what our ideal customer profile looks like, but are there outliers on both of those sides? Absolutely. But it's all about managing and setting expectations. So we say to our, our prospects and our customers that come on, here's what we expect of you. Here's what you can expect from us. And so that transparency is up there and, and it's up front. And I think it's okay to have those expectations because as much as, they're choosing you, you're choosing to work with them. You're choosing to spend your time to work with them and, and yeah. build their brand. Yeah, no doubt. I, so I'm in a Vistage group, which I think I shared with you guys. And we had a meeting last week and um, I'm going to actually look this up because I'm going to mess it up if I, if I don't look it up. We had a speaker. Um, his name was, let's see, uh, Ian Altman. Ian Altman wrote a book called Same Side Selling. I don't know if you've heard of it. There's a lot of selling books out there, but um what he was talking a lot about was basically moving up the food chain, uh, which I know this is sort of what Bobby and I talked about when he had me on the podcast, which is like, you're trying to move up um, in the mind of the consumer to get to where you have a more strategic conversation. You know, so um, our industry in particular is challenging because it is so commoditized. Um, as you guys are well aware, the halos and Geigers and pro formas and, you know, whatever, a lot of their approach for the last 20 or 30 years has been just a sort of shotgun, throw a lot of people at the market, which my opinion is, and this is no slight to anyone, because there's a lot of, as I saw from being in Canada, there's a lot of really excellent, phenomenal, high quality people in our industry. But there's also a lot of people that are not, have not been trained, aren't necessarily sophisticated sellers that can tend to be, you know, product transaction type 
folks. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's not necessarily done our industry a lot of favors over the years, created a certain perception with clients, you know, as to the value of the things that we do when not done from a strategic perspective. But um, I think that the more that we can get in and, and especially you as well, it's like the more that we can get out of the conversation around the commodity, you know, transacting based on, you know, price or whatever. And it's to have a better understanding of like, look, like what, what does success look like for you? What is, what is the desired mm-hmm. result? And let's start there and work backward. And you end up having, you know, four or five different things that you discuss before you get to the product in our case. Um, or in your and, case, and it's I, like, what problems are you having running your business? And let's make sure. Exactly. Yeah, so go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So it would, it's the exact same thing. So you're, you're taking a step back and looking at their workflow and taking like taking stock of everything that they're doing. And the one piece there though, in those conversations that you kind of help eliminate up front is that change is hard. And sometimes making those changes or changing your mindset or changing your perspective. So Landon, they may come to you and say like, oh, we need a hundred pens or we need a t-shirt. And you're like, well, let's take a step back and talk about your project. Let's take a step back and, and determine yeah. what you want to get out of this. You know, what you're, what you want your customer experience to be. And all of those things, changing that mindset of how they approach it will help ultimately give you better results. And yeah. for us, it helps us, it helps us create that and have them see the value for, for comments. You and have them see the value in the software versus them just ticking off a box and saying, okay, we need to do this, this, and this. Right. Yeah. It's almost like every project, if you think of it linearly is like a line and your customers come to you at different points on that line. And sometimes it's a little bit of an art in the process of like, you know, they say, Hey, I need a, I need a, a hoodie. And you're like, but do you like, let's make sure that we feel like that's the best like, what do you, who's the audience? What do you, you know? And, and one thing I notice that is really an under discussed part of our industry, generally speaking, is, is that sometimes the imprint is almost as important, if not more important than the item in a lot of cases. So it's like, you know, because based on the audience, I might, you know, in this case, like my, sh- my, my shirt here with the logo left chest, a lot of contrast makes a lot of sense for people who work for Goodson if we're working at an event. But if I take this same vest and I want to give it to a customer, at the very least, that logo needs to go tone on tone, potentially needs to go back here, basically needs to move away. Color gets toned down because of the audience and the audience should drive a lot, not only the product, but a lot of times should drive how it's imprinted. To your point about one other thing, I told the story a lot of times about the first time I got on the platform, I hated it because we had our own homebrew system before I started. Don't hold back, Lynn. Yeah, Goodson. And, <laughs> but I remember Catherine at the time, like Catherine Graham got on the phone with me and she was more or less like, look, Every software platform is going to have problems. It's not perfect. It's about throughput. If you're really trying to grow a company with a lot of throughput, this is probably the kind of platform you need to you need to be on. And I remember I started once and I quit and I started again. Then I ended up on the phone with Catherine and I I said what I had to really understand was like it wasn't there were too many people on the Comic platform being successful for the problem to be the platform. It had to be a me problem. I said, What what's Taylor Swift's song? It's like it's me. Hi, I'm it's the me. problem. Hi. It's me. Yeah. Um so and and, I, and and so then the moment I decided, okay, it's not a platform issue, it's a me problem, then I was able to very quickly understand the platform and, and, and use it successfully. So really, I'm supporting what you were saying about change is hard. And it's really hard when it's the business, when it's the thing that runs your entire business. I mean, it's one thing to change a phone system or an ISP or whatever, but we're talking about like, this is the thing that people that they use to run their business day in and day out. So that's, that I'm sure is one of the challenges you all have, especially when people are moving platforms, migration and all that's really tough. Mm-hmm. For sure. I, I want to go back to your, the, your branding uh, about your, your choice for like the imprint and the areas on all of that. I think that's another thing that we've done in terms of a marketing channel 
for our customers is we have a newsletter now that goes out and a lot like the key focus of that newsletter is trend watching and newsletters are such a big thing right now in marketing and they can do so many great things for your brand um, if you're doing them well and if you're understanding who your audience is for us it's it's our customers like like you and and the other promotional products suppliers and distributors and so sharing what other brands are doing sharing trends sharing design sharing style watches and things like that like we actually have a matrix now that goes into the newsletter and it's kind of like a hot or not thing like here's where here's where brands have hit the mark here's where they've missed the mark and it kind of focuses on all the other amazing things that that companies are doing in this industry yeah i love that it's um we actually launched a newsletter about three months ago and kind of like we've had some pretty good success with it in terms of you know engagement um and in our view right now is that it's sort of a look back on the previous month. So it's sort of like, mm-hmm. you know, more or less like welcome to November. Here's what kind of, here's the things that we did. And we're sending direct emails on all that. It's just like you guys do too, you know, like yep. direct emails on the podcast, direct emails on the partner series and, and, you know, the collections that we're working on or whatever, but it's, we're sending it that first week in the next month and saying, if you didn't get a chance to do any of that stuff, here's, here's a recap of all that we did that month. And then here's what we did for the podcast. Here's what we did for the partnerships and so on. I like what you said about understanding the audience though. And, you know, just trying to think in terms of like, again, it's, it all goes back to like building that relationship. What, what's the value? Like if they, if they're going to take the time to read this, what's something Mm -hmm. is not going to feel like noise to them. Exactly. And, and we, we do, you know, it's a, it's a combination of some of our content that goes in there too. Um, but that's obviously it's content that's directly created for those readers. So it's yeah. not like we're just throwing in like fluff pieces or things like that. At least that's not what we think. No, no, no. Yeah. It's, uh, so there's two things we're, we're that I want to kind of cover before we wrap up. One is I want to talk about copywriting. You and I had a really good con- conversation mm. about copywriting, how difficult it is. And, and me in particular, if I had, uh, Adam and Laura and, and who are on my marketing team and I started talking about copywriting, they just like. They'd probably be like, oh my gosh, here he goes again because he's going to freak out. <laughs> but, you know, so in my case, it's like, I'm probably not dissimilar from a lot of companies out there. The brand, the Goodson brand right now, for the most part, resides here. Like in my head, it's a, mm-hmm. there's some intuition behind it. There's some gut feeling, whatever. And so I can write things. I can see things. Um, I say all the time, I'm, I'm a marketing person's worst nightmare because it's like, I, it's like, I don't like it, but I can't tell you why. And then when I see it and I like it, I say, I love it. And I can't tell you why. <laughs> and I might do something like, you know, this looks good this week, but next week, seemingly the same thing. I don't like it, which is, you know, it's just this very intuition-based marketing approach, which is tough. It's really tough to get other people involved in that. So I remember we were talking about it and I'm like, man, copy, like the two bottlenecks for me constantly, copy that I feel like is on tone and on brand and photography, um, mm-hmm. good imagery. And you had talked to me about, and I'm not going to remember what you called it, but you said, yes, absolutely. Copy is a big problem. So speak to that in some of the ways that you guys have addressed trying to sort of get other people involved in the marketing machine to be able to talk the right way. So I think first, first off the, it's a common, very common product problem for entrepreneurs to have that where everything lives in their head, Hmm. what they see their vision and, and, you know, it's all kind of in there and it's, it's great. But when it comes to putting it on paper, or what they're seeing, just like you said, it's it's a very difficult task to translate that or try to explain it. But I think that's the job of, or I suppose that's the importance of finding someone on or building out a marketing team where they can understand that and, and learn. And so it becomes intuitive to them eventually. And so one of the things I think 
that came with working with Mark and Catherine for so long is, is building out that brand guide. And, and that's what we've developed for our company is, you know, we started with a primer for our company. That was what I, that's what it I remember. was basically just the primer. That's yeah. What I was trying to remember. Yeah. So we, we had a primer and, and that, you know, at first when there was eight or nine employees, they already knew any, everything. So we didn't really need to send that out. But then as the company started growing, we, we figured we, 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 sh- we quickly realized how important it was to have something like that so that when you're sending someone off to create a social campaign with imagery or to write emails, that it's super important for them to be able to have something to look back on to see, okay, this is how we write things. This is how, what imagery we would use. This is what's considered on brand. This is what's off brand. So right. the brand guide and the primer kind of started as one thing and has grown into this maybe larger project that we tackled as we're growing because it needs to be sent even to our development team. It needs to be sent out to our sales team, to our customer success team, so that they know how to respond and interact with customers in email, because all of that is so, can be so different for different situations. So the way that you're going to respond to a customer success email is going to be very different to how we're going to create an ad campaign or even a blog post or, you know, whatever, whatever the, the example might be that you're using. And I assume that the brand guide and primer that you have today has been an iterative process. I mean, you, you built it, you put That's it out there exactly and then right. you're like, oh, we didn't speak to this and we need to speak to that. So then we add that and then you just sort of exactly. like rinse and repeat over time to build it. And we use, we use Google Docs. So I'm sure you could go back and see the history of all the crossing out and the the changing. And And now even as the company grows, like we've, I don't think we ever had values that were publicly stated or values that were incorporated into a brand guide. So one of the, one of uh, a project that, that we had in this past year was adding those, adding those values in, adding our mission statement, making sure that that information was like widely known, not only internally, but externally as well as a so part of that transparency. That is like a perfect segue, Kate, to what I want to talk about last. We're, we're about 33 minutes. I <laughs> promise you I'd get you out of here in, in, a, in a reasonable amount of time. So <laughs> this recent rebrand, the brand refresh, I'm looking at the blog on your website, uh, which by the way, and we'll reiterate this at the end, um, again, mostly would be like distributor customers potentially that might listen to this, but anybody who's generally interested is commonskew.com. So C-O-M-M-O-N-S-K-U.com. And you can see their blogs under, uh, where did I click that? Commonskew.com slash blog. And it's under resources. Yeah. Okay. But if you're, if you if you go to the main site, it looks like it's under resources. So is this the first kind of big brand refresh since the original launch or had you done some things along the way that had, that were at all as, as substantial? I think the general look and feel of the brand has always been similar. Uh, I think over the years we've changed the logo slightly in terms of the colors and and maybe the font and the layout. Uh, Skewbot has certainly changed a lot over the years, but all of those brand refreshes along the way have been very intentional. Uh, we've been a company now for a decade, over a decade. And I think as we grow and evolve, we want our brand to do the same. And I think we just want to be sure that our what our brand looks like also reflects our mission and our values and and really the dynamic industry that we serve and i think you know you said before that that logos and and mascots aren't necessarily the brand but certainly the branding represents what your brand is and that's that's really the first look of what a lot of people have when they're evaluating your software or evaluating you as a company and so that that first look or that first impression, I think is just as important uh, as, as anything else that you put out there in terms of your value or your missions or, or what you're about. 
Yeah, no. So I'm I'm looking at it. It's like um, it's really cool. And you know what's funny about like brand updates, logo updates, things like that is, I think sometimes like people can almost I, I'm I'm tr- I'm struggling to find the right words. It's almost like something gets updated and you're like, oh, they are paying attention. They do have pulse. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm not saying that that was necessarily what people were thinking about you, but I noticed for me, it's like you'll just get lulled to sleep a little bit. Like you keep walking into Kroger, for example, and then like all of a sudden you walk in and the Pepsi cans look different. And you're like, oh. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, it gets your attention and it kind of makes you, you perk up and you go, wonder why that happened. You know, what 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 caused that? And it's this part of staying relevant and current as well. Um, That's exactly right. So I think with those brands like Pepsi or Coca-Cola or Google or brands that have been around for a long time, I think it's just as important to them to keep top of mind. And I think it also just speaks to the fact that, you know, Google specifically, like just changing their, the G slightly or switching up the colors, it just shows that they're, it's a subtle way for them to show that they are, that they're keeping up with things, that they're staying on top of trends, that they're paying attention to what's going on in the world around them. And I think that's what we've kind of done over the years from subtle things like updating our color palette, from updating our fonts, from updating the the logo ever so slightly to a sleek or more modern design. I think as silly as it might sound to to speak about it in that way, I think that the brand, ref, it, it just reflects the times. Yeah, no and doubt. I think that's I, important. And I'm going to put in our follow-up notes, I'm, I'm going to just link to this blog because it's really well done. It was posted November 9th. Um, rather than going into a bunch of detail here, I think people listening to this who kind of want to understand a little bit of the why that, that Kate's referring to as to this new, you know, brand update, brand refresh. It's captured well here. It's a um, good visual representation. Totally. And I, and I, and I really like, like things I really like is some of the, how you guys visually captured the evolution. You know, you show the logo left to right. I'm a left to right thinker. I like, I like progression, you know? <laughs> and then, uh, so it's, it's, yeah, it's really well done. The, the thing I would leave everybody with is, is we have a few minutes left here is, Okay, you guys have been around ten years. You've got a you've got a pretty um, substantial marketing team now. You've got a lot of experience. But if you boil down brands, let's say somebody, whether it be maybe a distributor or really just somebody starting out, I'm curious if you. Know, I'm kind of putting you on the spot here because I didn't tell you I was going to ask this. But if if somebody's starting out and they don't have tons of resources um, to do a lot of the things that we've discussed here, it doesn't change the fact that there are probably some base principles they need to keep in mind. So with your experience. Somebody starting out that's like, hey, if I were starting out and I had limited resources, these are the things that I want to make sure that I get right to start so that I can build from. I'm curious what your opinion is on that. I think a lot of brands struggle with this because it's kind of overwhelming with all of the choices that you can do as a marketer for a brand and and the avenues that you can take. So taking a step back and understanding your audience and knowing where they are. I think is a great first place to start, whether you're deciding on a social campaign or like where to build up your audience there and and on those platforms, whether or not that you're going to start doing email marketing, whether you're not, you're going to do a newsletter or content, you can, you can very easily fall into the trap of doing too much that no one's looking at Mm. versus focusing on a couple of things that are hitting the right people. So I think that's, that's pretty important to do as a first step. And then that way you're not, you're not overextending yourself or you're, you know, spreading yourself too thin across all of these things, especially if you don't have the resources to do that. I think focusing on your brand first and foremost is important because that's the first look, that's the first impression, and then building it up from there. So if I'm reflecting, it sounds like, you know, A, I think, you know, 
it's important to know why you exist. In other words, like be very clear. Like, like I said, I, I think Mark mm-hmm. and Catherine have been clear from day one. They are trying to elevate the industry. Essentially, that's I remember talking to uh, Mike. Is it Michael? Who's your CTO? We were walking to dinner one night. I was talking to. Yes. Him, and I just remember telling him and I could tell like that resonated with him. It was like, yeah, all this stuff that we do at the end of the day, we all very much buy into this idea. of So so having, you know, if you're starting a new company, I think it's important. To, you know, you talked about what's the audience? What problem what's do I purpose? solve for that? Yeah. But what's yeah. the purpose? Start out because that's the rallying cry for not only yourself, but anybody that will join you later. And that's what gets people up in the morning on those days. Nobody wants to go to work. It's like, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and then from there, it's okay. So then how now do I create uh, initially some, some visual um, assets that will reflect that? And then from there, starting to kind of build out what would almost be like a persona as to, mm-hmm. you know, if you think about your company as like a person, like, okay, if I've identified the audience, this problem that I solve with that audience, and then I have maybe a visual representation of that, that I'm happy with, then it's like, what, if the company was a person, what would that person be like to go out there and carry the torch to accomplish this purpose and, and you know, and solve those problems? Does that sound yeah, like that's exactly right. Like, where are they hanging out? Are they on their, are they on TikTok? If they are, then develop a TikTok strategy. Yep. If they are exclusively in, in email or on Facebook groups or whatever the case might be, like do that research, find out where they are for where you want your targeted audience to be, and then go to them rather than having them come to you. And less is more. You're saying do a few yes. things really well rather than a whole bunch of things, which again, that's another no. life principle. Yeah. It's like everybody can say a mile wide and an inch deep, but most of us are a mile wide and inch deep, even though we know that that's probably not ideal. So quantity over a uh, uh, quality over quantity, quality over quantity for sure. Well, Kate, I can't, I can't thank you enough. I know you're extremely busy and um, uh, you know what? And we didn't even talk about, I was thinking about, we didn't even talk. What was the chef that you arranged that restaurant? By the way, if anybody goes to Toronto, go to, so yes. what is it? Sue Sir Lee uh, is, is the chef, chef, chef Lee. And the restaurant is called Lee in Toronto. Unbelievable. Yeah, that was a cool experience. So highly recommend, yes. And apparently he's fairly famous up th- up that way, right? Yes, he is. He's on he's on TikTok. Um, yeah. 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 So um but yeah, so it's been great to I I I enjoyed and appreciated the invitation there. It was great to meet you. Uh, I learned a lot just from our conversations. Look forward to continuing to learn from you as you continue to do the great work that you do for CommonSkew. But um, you know, hey, thank you so much uh, for being here. Tell everybody how they can connect with you if they want, and maybe just how they can connect with Commerce. And I gave the URL earlier, but any way that you want people to know how to connect with you and the company. Absolutely. So Common Skew is at Common Skew on all of our socials. Linda mentioned the blog, commonskew.com slash blog. We also have that podcast on there too, Skewcast. Uh, but yeah, if you're looking, if you're looking to chat about marketing, you can email me directly, Kate at commonskew.com. Awesome. All right. Well, Kate, I'm gonna let you get back to it. I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for having me. This was wonderful. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Brand Herald podcast. For more information, please visit thebrandherald.com. Also, please subscribe to our show and follow us on social media to stay up to date on all things branding. Thanks again for listening.